History of Light for the Artist by W.C. Turk, Part 2. Art and the Rise of Agriculture. The rise of agriculture is a foundational gateway from humanity's nomadic hunter-gatherer origins into everything that has arisen since. Political and social organizations, assumptions on economy, art, music, and so forth. The so-called Iron Age would likely not have happened without the quiet, revolutionary ascension towards stable agricultural societies. Grasses, like pre-domesticated wheat, grain, rice, sugarcane, corn, and barley, moves with the wind and the rain. It does not require insects for pollination. The seeds detach in the wind where they are carried aloft until they eventually fall to earth and take root, anchoring loose soil and sand. There are almost 12,000 types of grass, representing 26% of all plants on our planet. Grass, in its many forms, is essential to our survival. Still, settling into anchored, agricultural-based societies was not a given. Modern humans and their older Neanderthal cousins managed to survive through an ice age as small nomadic or semi-nomadic subsistence groups moving from location to location for the better part of a half million years, 200,000 or so for modern humans. There was nothing dictating, no imperative or genetic trigger predisposing modern humans to settling down or farming. There was, however, a legacy of innovation and a slowly awakening heritage of tool making and learning to manipulate the environment to solve problems. At a 125,000-year-old site in Newmark Nord, Germany, researchers discovered evidence that our Neanderthal cousins used fire and tools to clear deciduous forest. Researchers found considerable evidence that these hunter-gatherers maintained the land in a rudimentary way for perhaps as much as 2,000 years. Does that meet the definition of a settled society? Perhaps not, at least not entirely. But the more settled and sedentary a community is, the more complex that society is likely to become, right? Did that give rise to specialization? But even this is not the fundamental question. And we may have been asking the wrong questions all along. The question of when language, writing, and art began, we have discovered, falls short because it only asks when without unveiling why or how. Not that the when isn't instructive. But researchers have been asking when humans became, well, human. As if human intellect was a flickering bulb of potential that one day grew to brightness. Was it like the apple striking Newton on the head, sparking what would become his second law of motion, F equals MA? Not to diminish the genius of Newton, but he built profoundly upon a substantial historical foundation, layered like sediments in a riverbed going back to the dawn of prehistory. It is now clearly established that modern humans have assimilated Neanderthal and Denisovan genes into our genome. The geographic distribution offers a legacy of our migration from Africa into Europe and across Asia and into the Americas. In 2020, researchers unlocked a critical step in understanding when a cognitive trigger for human language evolved. It's known as non-adjacent dependency, or the ability to organize the relationship and order of identifying words or sounds into a meaningful framework. Researchers found that marmosets and chimpanzees, both very distant ancestors, were capable of recognizing relationships between meaningful sounds, which puts this foundational element of language as appearing at least 
40 million years ago when those species split from our direct lineage. It is astounding to think that four and a half billion years of evolution lives within every single one of us. In fact, a mere 7% of the human genome is unique to modern humans. A study by researchers at the University of Maine indicated that culture helped humans adapt and evolve faster and more efficiently than genetics alone. That describes a history in which community, the ecosystem for culture, hosts humanity's agency in its own evolution, as cited by Timothy M. Waring et al. in the article, Long-Term Gene Culture, Coevolution, and the Human Evolutionary Transition, published in the Proceedings of the Royal Society of Biological Sciences. They wrote, and I quote, researchers found culture steers human evolution while others propose that genes hold culture on a leash. We review the literature and evidence on long-term GCC in humans and find a set of common themes. First, culture appears to hold greater adaptive potential than genetic inheritance and is probably driving human evolution. The evolutionary impact of culture occurs mainly through culturally organized groups which have come to dominate human affairs in recent millennia. Second, the role of culture appears to be growing, increasingly bypassing genetic evolution and weakening genetic adaptive potential." Unquote. There is physical evidence to support that. Researchers reported in the April 9, 2021 issue of Science that our early ancestors may have had brains similar to apes for between 1 to 1.2 million years. But at 1.7 million years ago, something happened to accelerate brain evolution, most especially in the growth and organization of the frontal lobes. Certainly our emergent ancestors some 2.8 billion years ago already held the potential and capacity for evolution. They invented tools, were capable of abstract thought, they colored or tattooed their bodies, and made rudimentary jewelry. So when and how and why did culture originate? That is the million dollar question. Evidence can be found in our archaeological record and in our contemporary primate cousins. For the latter, there are fundamental differences between social groups and deliberate culture. Humans represent the exception among the primates in that humans cultivate a wide variety of social group patterns, while lower primates, such as baboons and langurs, form tightly knit communities, primarily for protection. Baboons collectively punish violations within their social order. However, organized symbolic language, degrees of abstraction and symbolism are notably absent. I say degrees because there's this from the University of Pennsylvania's Department of Psychology. Quote, when Sylvia the baboon lost Sierra, her closest grooming partner and daughter to a lion, she responded in a way that would be considered very human-like. She looked to friends for support. According to researchers from the University of Pennsylvania, baboons physiologically respond to bereavement in ways similar to humans with an increase in stress hormones called glucocorticoids. Baboons can lower their glucocorticoid levels through friendly social contact, expanding their social network after the loss of specific close companions. Close quote. Death, mourning, glucocorticoids, touching. The genetic foundation which humanity distinguished itself from other primates is just 7%. 
It does, however, offer us one of a number of baselines upon which we are able to exclude defining cultural markers as foundational while focusing on others which do begin to define culture. Linguists and archaeologists look, for example, at the brain pans of our distant ancestors to follow the evolution of specific brain structures such as the so-called Broca's area located in the frontal portion of the brain's left hemisphere. The evolution of that part of the brain is key to our understanding of the evolution of culture. We can imagine genetics in our early ancestors driving the slower process of the advent and deepening of human culture. Over time, as the University of Maine study indicates, culture became a driver and began to lead. That happened very slowly at first, but with each ascending cultural and sociological step, the pace increased. It's still increasing, each new step happening across a smaller and smaller span of time. When we first appeared in the archaeological record, some 350,000 years ago, modern humans already held the physical capability for speech. A March 2021 study, led by Rolf Kahn, associate professor and director of the Evolutionary Studies Program at Binghamton University in New York, used three-dimensional imaging and modeling of Neanderthal skeletons to show that Neanderthals were capable of physically creating the sounds modern humans possessed. The close-knit relationship indicated in Neanderthal clans, as well as rudimentary artistic expressions, would support evidence of at least simple verbal communication. Genetic evidence of interbreeding between Neanderthal individuals and modern humans perhaps also indicates a degree of interspecies communication. Neanderthals ultimately became extinct or were absorbed, ceding the planet to their modern cousins. The idea that they became extinct may be a slight overstatement, as recent genetic evidence from researchers at the Max Planck Institute for Evolutionary Anthropology shows that between 1.7 and 1.8% of each modern human's genome comes from a pool of around 505 Neanderthal DNA. Modern humans seem to have gotten off to a terribly slow, almost 200,000 years slow, start before we simply outcompeted and outbred Neanderthals. Mostly. That all took place in Ice Age Europe between about 60 and 40,000 years ago. Before that period, human innovation progressed incrementally. Suddenly, it seemed, though likely over many generations, humanity found its creative and innovative feat. It is by this time that the last Neanderthals had either died off or had been absorbed among the more successful Homo sapiens population. What drove that success? A March 2021 piece in the journal Molecular Psychiatry from the American Museum of Natural History and Washington University titled Creativity and Community, How Modern Humans Overcame the Neanderthals, shed some light. Quote, a new study is the first ever to identify the genes for creativity in Homo sapiens that distinguish modern humans from chimpanzees and Neanderthals. The research identified 267 genes that are found only in modern humans and likely play an important role in the evolution of the behavioral characteristics that set apart Homo sapiens, including creativity, self-awareness, cooperativeness, and healthy longevity. Close quote. Though we can postulate on the creativity of Neanderthals, their simpler outlook and limited intellect could well have given rise to fanciful 
and vibrantly fantastical storytelling traditions. The arduous task of struggling to survive in Ice Age Europe with laborious construction of fishing nets and communal hunting would have been fertile ground for constructing communal songs and chants. We do know that Neanderthals were adept at curing and treating hides, which were then sewn into clothing, caps, boots, gloves, and shelters. The Neanderthals were hardly hulking, knuckle-dragging, slack-jawed, intellectual pygmies, as they are sometimes portrayed. Creativity in modern humans is remarkable compared to that of their closest living relatives, the great apes. We possess levels of innovation, resiliency, abstraction, and planning impossible for our chimpanzee, orangutan, and gorilla cousins. We possess complex collaborative qualities, language and artistic abilities, self-awareness, and empathy. When exactly these qualities emerged remains hotly debated. To find those answers, Robert Cloninger, a psychiatrist and geneticist at Washington University in St. Louis, and the lead author of the study, identified 972 genes out of about 20,500 total that regulate gene expression for human personality, of which 267 genes from this larger group were found only in modern humans. Cloninger's team compared the full genome data for both chimpanzees and our extinct close relatives, Neanderthals. They found that genes regulating emotional drives, such as social attachment and conflict resolution, first emerged about 40 million years ago. Genes that regulate intentional self-control cooperation appeared about 2 million years ago, while a third gene regulating creative self-awareness was relatively new, emerging only about 100,000 years ago. That third gene is key to understanding the successful competition our species gained over Neanderthals. Cloinger's findings indicated that, quote, the adaptability and well-being of Neanderthals was about 60 to 70% of that of Homo sapiens, which means that the difference in fitness between them was large. After the more creative, sociable, and physically resilient Homo sapiens migrated out of Africa between 65,000 and 55,000 years ago, they displaced Neanderthals and other hominids, who all became extinct soon after 40,000 years ago." Close quote. It is that one word, however, which describes a stumbling block, creative. Creativity is not at all defined. It is a quality without definition, and that's a problem. Scientists have not yet discovered our genetic basis for creativity in modern humans. Where and when it began remains a mystery, but that it exists is hardly in question. Human creativity has given us a myriad languages and cultures, invented religion and the wheel, Leonardo da Vinci, Maya Angelou, Einstein and Hawking, and the specter of atomic and biological annihilation. For better or for worse, these are but a few examples of human creativity, but none of that gets us closer to the why or how or even a definition. That's where we pick up the University of Maine and their study on the effect of culture on evolution. Recall it was about 1.7 million years ago that our evolution suddenly increased in pace. Why? Was this the period when cultural evolution began to have a greater efficacy over natural evolution? We can't be certain, given the erosive nature of time. But at about 40,000 years ago, we find in the archaeological record an apparent explosion of artistic and technological innovation. And what we find is breathtaking. Up next, part three, cave art and the rise of abstraction. 
You're listening to Playtime with WC Turk. Thank you.